the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Isaiah. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Because as you pray, you can see answers to prayer. You can see the different ways that God worked in wonderful, miraculous ways. And it motivates you to pray more. See, this is what is happening here in the life of Hezekiah. And God is showing himself strong on behalf of his people. You know, 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Have you ever seen a change in yourself as you have prayed? When we pray, there is a shift that happens, but we don't always see it. We see in the Bible, prayer shifts the hearts of the people praying and the people being prayed for. There are even times where God's heart is moved by the prayers of His people. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be talking about the heart posture that happens when we start to pray. As we develop a prayer habit, we can see our entire person change to be more like Christ. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Isaiah chapter 38 as he continues his message, Why Pray? G.K. Chesterton once said, quote, The difference between talking about prayer and actually praying is the same as the difference between blowing a kiss and actually kissing. We can talk about prayer a lot, but unless we actually pray, we're, we're not really engaging with the heart of God. So, why pray? I'm going to submit to you five reasons to consider prayer. And this list could be exhaustive. You could come up with, I'm sure, much better points than I'm going to give you, but I'm going to give you just five so that together we can consider the importance of prayer. As we see just the example here of Hezekiah, I mean, it's not this long, laborious prayer. It's not, you know, he didn't go on and on and on. It was just one verse. Didn't even ask anything. Turns his face toward the wall, prays to God on behalf of God's memory, Lord, just remember that I've been faithful to you. And then he weeps bitterly and God takes note of it. So here's the first thing. Why pray? Number one, because I may not receive what God wants me to have until I ask. I may not receive what God wants me to have until I ask. Now, it isn't that God delights in just withholding things from us, but I'm going to explain what I mean as as I go through this point. First of all, in your Bibles, you can write down in the margin here, James 4, verse 2. James 4, verse 2 makes it pretty clear. You don't have because you don't ask God. That's what James 4, 2 says. You have not because you ask not. You don't have because you have not asked God. 
Now, by the way, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 8, your father knows what you need even before you ask. So it's easy to get a little cynical about prayer, isn't it? Because if you think to yourself, all right, well, God is my father and he loves me and he wants his best for me. So if he knows what I need, and Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, he knows what I need even before I ask, why bother asking? I mean, why doesn't he just give me what I want or what I need? Why doesn't he anticipate everything? Because God knows everything. And then just go ahead and deliver without my having to ask. What's the purpose in prayer? Why would God withhold things from me until I ask? Now, by the way, it isn't as if God withholds everything. Everything from you and me. He wants us to ask. He certainly anticipates what we need. And and you better believe there are many times that God lavishes upon us what we don't deserve, what we haven't asked for, because he's already anticipated our need and he's taking care of it. It's just like, you know, as a parent, you wouldn't, you wouldn't treat your kids that way. Well, I'm not going to give you a single thing until you ask. That's not the way God treats us. You know, well, I see, I see, Johnny, you have holes in your shoes, but I'm not going to give you a pair of shoes until you ask. I see that you're hungry, Sally, but I'm not going to give you any food until you ask. I mean, that's ridiculous. No parent treats a child like that. God doesn't treat us like that. But there are times, there are times where God is waiting for us to ask why. Because in asking, we're learning some things. Number one, humility in asking. You ever have a hard time asking somebody for something? You know, because you don't want to impose, you don't want to be a burden, so I don't want to ask, all right? Um, and we can treat God that way. Well, I don't want to impose, I don't want to ask. God is teaching us humility, because it takes humility to ask. Okay, God, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to ask. We also learn patience while we're waiting. Because between asking and when the answer comes, whatever that answer might be, we learn patience in our waiting. And we learn how to be grateful for what we receive after we receive in response to what we've asked. So we learn all these different things. So this is why God says, I want you to ask. Because we learn to appreciate and respect and honor and worship the one who has provided for us what we've asked. We learn patience in our waiting. We learn humility in the process of asking. So it's not like God is just, you know, this manipulative dad in heaven who's just like, I'm not going to give you a single thing to you ask. But James 4.2 says you don't have because you don't ask. God is wanting us to step towards him. And God is wanting us to engage with the heart of our father and say, Lord, father, this is my request. This is my plea. This is my prayer. This is my desire. This is my my wish. This is my want. Now, listen, God is our father. He's going to filter through all of our requests. All right. As our father in heaven, he's going to filter through all of this because some of the things we want, we don't have the understanding or the capacity to realize that some of the things we want aren't good for us. And God does. Don't think that God is a vending machine or a genie in a bottle. That's not what prayer is about. Well, I just, you know, throw up some prayers, pull a lever, and God's going to give me what I want. No. God is our Father, and as our Father, sometimes His answer is going to be yes, sometimes His answer is going to be no, and sometimes His answer is going to be not now. And we have to be willing to trust Him as our Father in heaven who always does what is best for us. But He says, I want you to come and I want you to ask. I want you to make your request known to me. I want you to ask. But now listen, there's a warning. Because in James 4, 2, when it says you have not because you ask not, James 4, 3 says, and when you ask, you do not receive 
because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oh, so James qualifies the request there. He says, now, I want you to ask. I want you to ask God because the reason a lot of times you don't have is because you haven't even asked. But by the way, there's another reason why you don't get, and that's because you've asked, but you've asked with wrong motives. God is not obligated to deliver to us what we ask with wrong motives. And now you might be wondering, well, how can I know if my request is one with wrong motives? Answer, when you don't get what you asked for. Now, that doesn't mean everything that you don't get that you asked for is because you prayed with wrong motives. But what it does mean is if you pray with wrong motives, you won't get what you asked for. Okay? Not every, every time God says no, it's because we asked with wrong motives. But every time we ask with wrong motives, God's going to say no. Why? Well, because God is sometimes protecting us from our own selfish ambitions that are not in step with his purposes and plans for our lives. So God's not a vending machine, and God's not a genie in a bottle. God is our Father. He's not at our beck and call to just do whatever we want. He is our Father in heaven who sometimes says yes, sometimes says no, sometimes says not now. Now, one out of three ain't bad. Don't get angry with God if he says no or not now. He knows what's best, but he wants us to ask. We can learn humility, patience, and have a deep appreciation for the wonderful, beneficent hand of God when we ask. Number two, why pray? Because God delights to show himself strong on my behalf. In the previous chapter, if you go backwards to Isaiah 37, just look at Isaiah 37 with me for a moment, because in the previous chapter there, Isaiah 37, it recounts an occasion when the Assyrians were making serious threats against Jerusalem And there Hezekiah is king in Jerusalem. And the Assyrians were encamped. Thousands, tens of thousands were encamped around the city of Jerusalem. And the field commander of the Assyrian army is coming to the wall of Jerusalem there. He's on the outside now. The Assyrians have encamped and encircled Jerusalem. The field commander of the Assyrians is coming out by the wall and he's trash talking. And he's just like, and he's just, you know, like running off at the mouth and, and he's just saying things, insulting to the people of Judah, to the king of Judah, and to the God of Judah. So he's just, you know, he's just going off. He's just, beep, 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 beep. He's just like, you know, you, you think you, you guys can rely on your God, and your God is nothing, and don't trust Hezekiah. My king is a better king, and you guys are going to get swallowed up, and we're going to take over your city and, 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 and stop your praying because we have stronger gods, and all this kind of stuff. He goes on and on and on saying all this stuff. Okay, well, it's one thing to insult the people of Judah. It's another thing to insult the king of Judah. But when he starts insulting the God of Judah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Hezekiah comes unglued. And what does he do? He prays. In chapter 37, look again here in chapter 37, verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Hezekiah had his moments of prayer for sure. He prayed to the Lord. This is what he prays, verse 16. O Lord Almighty God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. He just prays. He just appeals to, to, to God in this way. Jump to verse 21. It says, and then Isaiah, son of Amoz, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, because you have prayed to me. See, God takes note of it. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, because you have prayed 
to me. Here's what God ends up doing. Further down in the chapter, verse 36. For something pretty serious here. Verse 36, Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, they were all the, the dead bodies. I mean, God, God showed himself strong in a big way by defending Jerusalem and the people that he loves. And by the way, I think the reason why Hezekiah prays in chapter 38 when he gets this news about his coming death is because he saw the hand of God in what we have as chapter 37 in defending the city of Jerusalem. So in other words, prayer builds your prayer life. See, Hezekiah, I think in chapter 38, turns and faces the wall and prays that simple prayer because he knows God, God is powerful. I've seen him work in my life before in response to a prayer. That was chapter 37. So I know that God can work again in response to prayer. The more we pray, it builds our prayer life. Because as you pray, you can see answers to prayer. You can see the different ways that God worked in wonderful, miraculous ways. And it motivates you to pray more. See, this is what is happening here in the life of Hezekiah. And God is showing himself strong on behalf of his people. You know, Second Chronicles 16, verse 9 says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know that God is on the hunt for people that he can show himself strong to, whose hearts are committed to him. His eyes are roaming to and fro all over the earth. Who can I strengthen today? Who can I strengthen today? That's the heart of our Father. He delights to show Himself strong on our behalf. Asaph would say in Psalm 50, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of your trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. This is what God says to us. He beckons us. Call upon me. Go ahead. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Just as He did for Hezekiah. Number three, why pray? Number three, because prayer bends my will to the will of God. Prayer bends my will to the will of God. Let me spend a little bit of time on this one because this one's a little tricky, and, I, and I've heard some people who, who think differently, so I want to clarify. I have a will, and God has a will. Same with you. You have a will, and God has a will. Now, sometimes those wills align. What God wants is the same thing you want. And sometimes those things do not align. God wills something, you don't will it. So in those moments when my will does not align with the will of God, or when I don't know if my will aligns with the will of God. So let's say there's nothing clearly like in Scripture that, that I'm wishing or willing or wanting that is a conflict with God's will. But let's just say it's something about which I just don't know a move, a career change. There's not a scripture or verse about it, so I'm not sure if this is God's will. So, So in prayer, what happens in prayer is prayer helps to bend my will to the will of God. If it's already aligned, well, then there's not much bending. But if it's not, then what happens is in my heart, God begins to move in my heart in such a way that I'm now just surrendered to the will of God. My will bent toward the will of God. 
Now, now here's why I need to clarify this, because I've heard some people over my years of ministry who take issue with this. They would say to you, it is a faithless thing to end a prayer saying, your will be done. And, and the reason is because some believe that in prayer, we should come boldly before the throne of grace. There's a Bible verse on that. And we should declare to God in faith, believing, and that if, if anything else other than a strong declaration of believing enters in, such as, if your will be done, then it's almost a statement of a lack of faith. And, and they will often quote out of James, James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, which talks about if, if, if you pray, you need to pray believing. Uh, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So you can look at a verse, a passage like that in James 1, 6 to 8, and it almost sounds like, you know, you just need to go and kind of assert yourself to God and, and not doubt, and this is what I declare, and make your statement and stand strong and, and be a person of faith. But the issue is... What is the doubt that James is talking about here? I think it's, it's incorrect to say that the doubt he's talking about is, is the doubt of faith. Because the interpretation can be, well, if, if, you, if you doubt what you're asking, then you show faithlessness, and then you're not going to get what you want because you're a double-minded man. When in reality, I believe the doubt he's talking about is doubting God. If you doubt God, if you doubt that God is able, then, then you're a double-minded person. Why are you asking God for something that you don't really ultimately believe he's able to do? That's the double-mindedness. So the issue is in, in James 1, 6 through 8, don't ever doubt God because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could hope or imagine. But to defer to his will is not doubting God. That is a posture and a position of humility saying, okay, as my Father in heaven, I may not be able to see everything clearly. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now we see, but in a glass darkly, then one day I'll see face to face, and I'll know in part now, but I'll know fully then. So for the meantime, because I see things in a glass dark, I'm not clear about everything. I don't, I don't know everything that God does. I'm going to defer to the will of God. And I'm going to say, Lord, your will be done. And I'm going to make my request known. I'm going to say, Lord, th this is what I'm asking. This is my plea. This is my prayer. But ultimately, Lord, your will be done. And I'm going to trust that as my Father in heaven, you have my best interest at heart, so I defer. And prayer then helps to bend my will to the will of God. This, this is not weakness. This is meekness. This does not diminish your prayers because somehow you're not asserting yourself strongly in faith. You can have faith and still believe, but your faith and belief is in, the, is in God and His ability to accomplish those things in your life for your good and for my good. Okay, so don't doubt that God is able because He is able. But be willing in prayer to ask God to move your heart that it might bend to His will, that you might be in conformity with the will of God for your life. Look, Jesus modeled this for us. In Matthew chapter 6, his own disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, which is a strong indication to all of us, isn't it, that we need to learn how to pray? Teach us to pray. And in the Lord's prayer, he starts out, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pray that. Pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And in, and in Gethsemane, when Jesus was in agony before the cross, he prays in Luke twenty two forty two. he says, Father, if you were willing, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus was willing to defer to the will of the Father, and in prayer, we need to, to ask God, Lord, your will be done, and we bend our will to the will of the Father. E. Stanley Jones said, quote, prayer is surrender. Surrender to the will of God and cooperate with that will. If I throw out a boat hook from a boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but aligning the aligning of my will to the will of God, end quote. I got to go through these real quickly. My time has escaped me here. Number four, because prayer combats anxiety, fear, worry, and temptation. That's important, isn't it? We need to pray because it combats anxiety, fear, worry, and temptation. Folks, we are people of flesh. And in our flesh, there's times we're going to be afraid, we're going to worry, we're going to get anxious, we're going to feel tempted. And prayer helps us in that regard. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, great verses. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer... And supplication, that's another type of prayer, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's wonderful, isn't it, when you can go into your prayer closet or in your car, wherever you might be praying, and you can be so anxious and fearful, and then you just spend some time in prayer, and then that peace that passes all understanding just ministers to that anxiety, that worry, and that fear. The same for temptation. In the garden in Matthew chapter 26, 41, Jesus said to his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knows that we are frail and through prayer we can be strengthened in our soul against temptation. Lastly, number five, why pray? Because prayer is the pathway for forgiveness. We all need forgiveness because we have all sinned. Sin separates us from God. But 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, if we give our sins to God, say, Lord, you know my sins. Lord, I confess them to you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we would just go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. He will cleanse our hearts. Prayer is a pathway to forgiveness. King David, after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then was confronted by the prophet Nathan. David was cut to the heart. He repented. He was broken. And he wrote Psalm 51. All of Psalm 51 is a prayer of confession, repentance, and contrition before God. And part of it goes like this. In Psalm 51, 1 and 2, David said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And Later in that chapter, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. If you want to get closer to God, pray. If you're sick and need healing, pray. If you're worried or fearful, pray. If you're tempted, pray. If you need answers to questions, pray. 
If you're in doubt, pray. And if you don't know what else to do, then by all means, pray. Amen. John Bunyan said this about prayer. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Let's pray. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message again in Isaiah, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. You'll find a link at our website along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. So please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. Just send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. That email address is prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. So put a marker where we left off in Isaiah and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time. Thanks again for listening to today's teaching right here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.